Hi, my name is Eric. And I'm Shalila, and this is Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies, and I guess sometimes TV, and their place in our culture. Yeah, I've already gotten gruff about today's episode from Alex, my wonderful partner in the other room, who has already explicitly said, but that's a TV show, not a movie. Well, you know what, Alex? (laughs) Here was my response. Here's my response to this. I think I would agree 90% of the time. Like, I would say that the Netflix Marvel shows do not, I don't think they would count. Like, they don't feel the same way. But the Disney Plus Marvel shows, of which we are talking about the first one today, WandaVision, Every way that they've talked about them thus far is like, hey, guess what? We took our movies and we just put it on TV instead. So it like, in other words, they're just like big made for TV movies that are stretched out over many episodes as opposed to a TV show. Would you agree with that so far? Like the tone of it or like, I don't know how else to describe it. For sure. I think this defense will also hold up a lot stronger with Ant-Man and not Ant-Man. What's the Captain America and the... Falcon. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Thank you. That was a struggle, but we got there together. <laughs> Which is really just a movie cut up. If yeah, and they explicitly said that. I remember correctly what you said. Yeah. Yeah, they explicitly said, like, we just did the movie. Like, it's just a movie. It's movie level budget, etc. I don't, it just, I don't know. They all feel like that. Like, the scope and the size of what we've seen from the Loki trailers, they're all obviously meant to be equivalent like you're not supposed to think of them as lesser or different or worse budget or any of it and you're also not supposed to think of it as separate from the mcu and its connection to like kevin feige and him controlling it all so all of that to me says it's fine to lump in like they're all meant to be together versus like agents of shield was palpably different because it was a network television show yeah and that was two and a half minutes of eric morales defending the existence of this episode (laughs) You're dang right. And that's how you always know we're off to a good start. So, spoiler alert. (laughs) I guess now you've already figured it out, uh, listeners. Today we are talking about WandaVision. And if I don't know rules for putting things, like taking things off of podcasting streams, but right there is where we would have put in the WandaVision like sound thing from the trailer. It would have been like, wah, 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 WandaVision, or whatever it says. I'll put it. But in. I don't know. Can we use sand bites? I don't. We've I never don't tried. Know. I don't What's think. The, I don't know. Do is that allowed? People affiliated with Marvel listen to our podcast to be able to catch us well, out. That's what I mean. Like, is it like YouTube, where if you put in some licensed music, you know, a giant algorithm listens to it and says like, "Hey, don't do that," because giant corporations need more money, or do, can they not do that? Like, does Apple and Spotify do they not have like sift through? abilities I, I have a piece none of this matters this is a huge tangent but i have a piece of evidence to say that they don't do that what's the evidence? evidence i would love to hear it um there's a jurassic park audiobook on spotify and that can't be right and I, what i mean audiobook i don't mean like a product i mean it's like a dude it's like me if i just sat here and opened up michael Crichton's jurassic park it was like jurassic park page one dr alan grant was in montana like it's just a guy and it, like you can hear the fan in the background so it's just a guy reading a book that is 100% not open source at this point. And there's no way that that's the official production because I think the podcast is called The Jurassic Park Files or something. And that thing's been on there for a long time. So I don't think they can tell. I also have supporting evidence now that I think about it. So I, this might not come as a surprise to anybody who knows me. I'm a huge K-pop fan, but there's a lot of K-pop songs that are not on Spotify. 
And the only way to listen to them is that a bunch of fans have uploaded them as podcasts. So as podcast episodes to Spotify. And they're always on there. Many of them last, I would say, weeks before they get taken down. Um, But they always get kind of taken down intermittently, which makes me feel like there's one dude or a team of dudes at Spotify sitting in a room manually scanning suspicious looking podcast names or, you know, three and a half minute long podcast episodes to check if people are (laughs) ripping things off. All this to say, I don't think they're going to find the soundbite in our episode. Are you ready for this transition? Speaking of teams of people sitting in a room and scanning for things. <laughs> oh, that's really good. WandaVision. <laughs> It'll make more sense in a bit, listeners. <laughs> I'm pretty proud. That's really, really good. So WandaVision. Uh, for those who have not watched it yet, it is uh, Marvel's next installment. Um, and like we just sort of alluded to, we should talk about it as though it is part of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large. It is essentially their next movie, quote unquote. Um, it is on Disney+. Plus. The first two episodes have dropped. They're doing weekly releases. Uh, and it stars Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany reprising their roles from the MCU as the Scarlet Witch and Vision. Uh I don't want to give like a ton of MCU spoilers for the random people who are listening who haven't seen uh, the MCU yet. But I mean, at this point, I guess I don't know. I don't know what our responsibility is to that. But I'll say this. It's strange that one of them is there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's just a strange show. Uh, But do you want to you want. uh, So obviously, we both watched it. We both watched the first two episodes. Uh, Other folks have seen like the first half, but we're not fancy enough press people for that. Um, yes. do you want to like describe a little bit about like the tone, like the gist of the show is it's about those two and their marriage, but, uh, there's clearly like a lot more going on. Definitely. It's a, it's a very strange show. So like we, like Eric nicely described in one of our previous Disney investor day episodes, it's, uh, meant to be sort of an homage to the golden age of television, which means that aesthetic wise, it is at least for the first two episodes, mostly black and white. It is kind of a 50s and 60s American sitcom styling, both in costuming, set design, uh, sound cues, uh, everything, uh, production design, everything of that sort. Um, The script writing, the characterization, it's sort of meant to um, allude to a little slice of life um, or, or several scenes from the olden sitcoms of the day. But obviously, that's not all. Um, There are kind of more sinister things at play, uh, which obviously there are because these are characters from the MCU. And those kind of come out every so often during the show. So so strange things will go wrong in the middle of what seems like a typical sitcom gag. And then everything goes kind of... uh, kind of dark and everyone zooms in or yeah. things fall, fall into stark color and you can tell something's off and we will probably discuss soon why those things might be what they might be building towards so i don't think it's possible for us to go any farther without spoilers i just realized that i don't even mean of the show i just mean of the mcu yeah so yeah. i'm gonna do a quick if you have not yet seen the avengers movies not even the whole thing if you just haven't seen avengers i guess age of ultron if you haven't seen uh, Infinity War and Endgame, I guess, you could have also not seen Civil War, uh, if I already said that. Well, uh, uh, if you haven't seen those four movies, then stop listening to the podcast now, if you care, because it's going to be spoilery. 
and uh, you can just come back. Just come back. We'll be here. Uh, that's my favorite thing that podcast hosts do. And they're like, we'll sit right here. We'll just wait. And then like you hear them sip some coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Um, I like to talk about it, but not do it. So uh, we can't go any farther without having those spoilers. So hopefully those people are, are gone now. For those of you who don't care and or have seen all those things, here's the 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 big thing, obviously. Vision is dead, super dead, or should be dead. Uh, he died twice, in fact, in which Wanda in Infinity War basically removes the mind stone that is embedded in his brain and uh or is his brain i guess is a better way to say that and erases him from existence essentially in order to make sure that uh uh uh, thanos can't get his hands on it and then thanos rewinds time and just demolishes his head like an egg uh and he dies again so that's the starting point of this show being weird even before like aesthetic even before the myriad other things that we're going to touch on and that Shalila just alluded to, like it just, there's no explanation. It just starts with him there. So if you're a person who follows along, you're already in this weird, at least I was, and I I know Alex was like, we both felt very uneasy from the word go because there's no lead in. There's exactly no context. And that's very unsettling. Yeah. It just picks up as if they are a, Normal, old-timey, just-married couple. No explanation. Right. And very much based, I believe, at least the first episode on I Love Lucy. Yeah. In part. Yeah. Including, I remember, I think you have more info on this than I do, uh, so please uh, expand if you do. But I do remember seeing there were lots of really cool articles about how they used the same lighting techniques and even some of the same, like they used the same lenses, cameras. um, And if I remember right, like they went and and cannibalize some of the sets like they got like some of the old props and things from these shows in order to be as faithful as possible in their recreation including like how they did certain effects so like if something is like floating in the air like it's not green screening it it's like fish wire and like they're going you know trying to be as as uh, uh, true as possible to what they're paying homage to which makes sense when you remember that they filmed at least part of it in front of a live studio audience. It would have been yeah. pretty weird if they had just been pretending to move things around and been like, just laugh, we'll CGI it in later, you know? Yeah, and I think a part of me, like, I, I like that from obviously just like a being a film nerd perspective. I just like when people do stuff like that. I'm always such a sucker for it. <laughs> Any time that like a director has like an insane story of like, well, actually, we built an entire island in order to shoot these three scenes rather than just <laughs> not. And I'm always like, yes, you did. Well done. Like that just works for me. Uh, so this is that's great. Like I like it from that level. And from what you said, like it also makes sense in a technical sense, like probably would have been strange for the for the live audience. I also think that there's something about it that helps when you're watching it in relation to the narrative because in other words like if you go in with that context then what you know you're watching isn't real, not even in a CGI sense, but you know that it's something that's being put on literally in production and you know there's a live studio audience meaning they're being watched when they're filming in a narrative about Wanda being watched and clearly what is around her not being real. So there's like this interesting sort of meta level to how they produced it mirroring the narrative that they're telling and I really like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll talk a little bit more about some of the very cool specific references in what they did to classic sitcoms. But I I wasn't an expert on 
classic sitcoms or anything. And I, I, I think I just recognized the general vibe and aesthetic as being classic and old. But uh, they, they put a lot of effort, unsurprisingly, into very specific references. The kitchen, so the, the, the premise is that uh, Wanda and Vision are a newlywed couple recently moved into this uh, vaguely suburban neighborhood in this large suburban house. And they have neighbors and a garden and all the, the works. Um, very 1950s America. Very much so, extremely. Yeah. And they've got uh, a kitchen and, a, you know, a living room and all this, that, that kind of open set design um, and a bedroom. And the kitchen that's uh, used on the show is heavily inspired by the kitchen used in the Dick Van Dyke show, which ran uh, in the 60s. And in general, the, the oh, entire cool. show is very, very uh, big on references to the Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, right at the beginning in the first episode's opening credits, uh, Vision does a kind of, he, he picks up uh, Wanda bridal style and sort of floats through a chair that's blocking the entrance to the house or that's close to the door and and you know it's a haha little moment because he's he's magic but that's uh that's referenced to in uh, the dick van dyke show when he actually trips over always a chair that's that's right in front of the door and that's in the opening credits oh interesting and so it's funny it's it's like yeah he didn't trip because he's vision um and also there's a lot about um Elizabeth Olsen wearing pants on the show as a housewife. She's, you know, a classic 50s housewife, um, which was a big trope uh, on sitcoms at the time. And she wears pants, which, uh, and she wears pants heavily inspired by the pants that uh, Mary Tyler Moore wore on the Dick Van Dyke show. And she actually became legendary for being uh, a famous housewife who wore pants. It was just not a thing that they did at the time. Interesting. Yeah, which is super interesting. Um, Even the, the, the second episode has a sort of animated, uh, cl- old timey theme. Uh, yeah, you know, very very cool uh, little theme song and, and animation intro, and that which is bewitched, right? Yes, it is. But it's also yeah. um, the song, like the sound that they use. It sounds almost the same as the theme of this famous show called the Donna Reed Show, which also ran oh, from the fifties to sixties. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's the same thing where they, they kind of tell you the background of the characters during the theme. So you don't have to waste time right. with the previously on, which they did anyway, but that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, they also they also do this thing where we're right at the beginning of the first episode. Wanda makes a reference to, like, this big breakfast that she wants to make. She says, oh, pancakes, eggs, hash browns, coffee and juice, uh, which is a, a, a poke at the Donna Reed show where she would just constantly make really complex breakfasts at the drop of a hat. And it was kind of like, that's what housewives do. <laughs> right. Um, and it eventually became a trope that was mocked. Um, but specifically, like you mentioned, Bewitched, I think that's probably the most interesting reference because um, uh, obviously the plot here is that Wanda can, you know, telekinetically move things around. Uh, and the plot of Bewitched is that the main character, Samantha Stevens, she is a literal uh, supernatural magic lady. She can she can do magic, but she lives with her regular mortal husband in a house. And um, even she has a kind of nosy next door neighbor who's, who's constantly trying to uh, figure out what Samantha's whole deal is and how she can constantly do things, uh, which very much matches the whole vibe of WandaVision. Um, but you also mentioned I Love Lucy, which is very true. There's a lot of uh, visual and plot-related similarities to I Love Lucy. There's a lot of styling. Uh, there's a little kind of uh, Stark Industries toaster commercial that pops up at one point. Yeah. And the woman in that commercial is styled to apparently look exactly like Lucille Ball. 
uh, or oh, the interesting. Way, the way she's dressed. On I did show, not pick least. that up. Yeah, I didn't either. Because for me, that's just people in the fifties or sixties. So is the guy supposed to be Desi Arnaz? Yes, exactly. Ah, exactly. Okay, got it. Um, so they're always gonna be because I mean, again, those two show up again in a commercial in the next episode. So yeah. I wonder if they're always meant to be a, a a pairing of somebody. You know? Yeah, probably. Uh, which we should talk more about those ads. They're very interesting. But uh, yeah, there's just a true. bunch of other kind of general plot uh, plot wise uh, things that happen. Like there's a subplot about forgetting anniversaries and having boss having us having. Vision's boss pop up for yeah. dinner and all these little things that have happened uh, on very famous episodes of Bewitched, Three's Company, Family Manners, and other big shows. Um, they also had this little thing where um, Wanda and Vision I get spooked by a tree banging against the window or so they think. Yeah. And they and it's late at night and they magically push their beds together out of <laughs> fear. Uh, but mm. that was something that would happen um, on I Love Lucy. Well, Lucy and Ricky would sleep in two single beds pushed together. Um, but yeah. then they would they would just get separated. And then suddenly Lucy was pregnant magically, <laughs> which is <laughs> something that also happens on this show. Can you tell I'm giving it all away? Uh, but they also have um, that also is a reference to the Adams family uh, where, where the whole single beds thing happened all the time where it just made no right. sense. But they had to show show that. And I would say two more things that are super interesting to me. Um, the first one is, uh, I think, in, during the unsettling portions of the of WandaVision, where they show, hey, everything is not quite what it seems, it very much recalled the Twilight Zone to me. Felt very, you know, uh, like, hey, something's up. Um, yes. And also, Agreed. the first episode had uh, Vision's boss come over for dinner, and his wife, and his wife, is played by Deborah Jo Rupp, who is on yes, that seventies show, and Kitty. I think just looking at her makes everyone happy, <laughs> and she's great in every possible way. But, I had yeah. no idea that she was in it. I knew that that uh, the guy who plays his boss, who I I never remember the actor's name, but I think I most know him from like Superstore and um, that movie with uh, Mila Kunis where she's a spy. Uh, but um, I really liked him as an actor, and I knew he was in it because he was in the trailers. But I don't think I ever saw Deborah Jo Rupp in the trailers. So that was such a fun surprise, like, to have her walk in the door and be like, oh, my God, it's Kitty. Right. Uh, she's, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the same for our parents, for example, because obviously I don't think that 70s show was necessarily like that's, – that's not a, a sitcom uh, that they're growing up with in the same way. But at least uh, I think a lot of people of our generation grew up with that 70s show in a way where like our version of the sitcom mom was Kitty. So yeah. to have her just walk in the door was such a like, oh, my God, like, that's so great. Um, yeah, that was very cool. So you had a lot more in there than than I I had no clue about half of those. Oh, one more thing, actually. That's interesting. Uh, Go for it. From episode one to episode two. The time jump from the 50s to the 60s, which I think the only hint at that, if you're, I guess you're not looking out for it at all, is yeah. their styling, clothing and hair wise completely changes. Uh, yeah. Suddenly a jump into the 60s. And that's a, a, a reference to um, a specific episode, actually, of I Dream of Genie, famous uh, 50s to 70s sitcom about a powerfully supernatural woman who's trying to fit in in a normal suburb of America. So, um and even that show has them suddenly shift into Technicolor in the middle of everything. Um, yeah, a famous shift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Much so. I was gonna say the the I Dream of Genie was the one I was getting 
that and Lucy I was getting the most vibes off of in the first episode. Uh, not not even aesthetic wise necessarily, although that's obvious. Like it feels very present to me. It was more of just the the conceit of the episode itself. Like you know, um, uh, uh, the the kind of central conflict of the episode is like, uh oh, we've forgotten our anniversary, and both parties think that something else is happening, right? Like the the husband thinks X is happening, and the wife thinks Y is happening. So when his when Vision's boss comes over and his boss's wife comes over and they have to throw a dinner, oh. Uh, Wanda thinks that she's actually throwing like an anniversary dinner for her husband. And that all just felt so intimately familiar to me of watching episodes of, of those shows with my dad or my grandparents. when I was a kid on TV land. And now I think me TV is the big one um, where that's, you know, that's the conceit of basically every one of those episodes of those shows is like a, a, a big mix up, a miscommunication, a pun of some sort. That leads to some kind of strange thing. So here where like they explain Wanda's strange behavior by her being European, that was that to me felt exactly like I dream a genie, right? Like how do we explain away the magic of the genie? Oh, well, it turns out she's not actually from here kind of a thing. Right. So um, that was really cool. Um, and what you just alluded to, I like the, the, I, the 60s jump I noticed only because I recognized the allusion to the bewitched uh, animation and the clothing change. But I like that they don't actually say it. It's sort of like they're, again, it's like a quiet thing that's there to unsettle you. Yeah. To suddenly be like, why is the hair and clothing different? Um, but the other thing I was wondering when I watched it, and I sort of confirmed after, I believe there are eight episodes in this series. Uh, and if you do the math exactly right, it means in theory, if they if they do what I think they're doing, they'll end in present day. Yeah. So episode one, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and then the final one in 2020. Exactly. So if they do that, they could actually cover all decades of sitcoms if they want it. Like, and I don't know if they'll do that or not, but it it certainly seems like the vibe. Um, so that'll be really cool to see. Um so yeah, like I said, I didn't know a lot of those. That that's a lot deeper than I thought. What do you so other than just like the fact that they're doing it, what did you think of it? Like how did you how did you respond to that styling and that sort of homage and and all of the references? Uh I, I don't know. I just how did you respond to it? I think I'm also curious based on what you just said, like not having grown up with these, it sounds like. Um how did you how did that read to you? Yeah, not at all. I, I, I definitely didn't grow up with a single one of those shows. I, I don't think I've seen more than maybe like two combined minutes of just out of context meme videos. But uh, I, I think it only served to add to the weirdness and the kind of out of out of the ordinariness of the show. For me, uh, I will say when it started off, the, the thing that was the most weird to me is I just wasn't used to seeing prominent Marvel properties on a television show. And that in itself yeah. was weird for a second. Not bad, just weird. And I think once I started to get over that, uh, everything started to click together. Like I was like, I get it. I get what they're doing. Um, I know we're not supposed to get it all yet. That's the point. Arguably, even at the end of this show, we're not supposed to really get it until we go to the theaters and watch Doctor Strange. But I think right. the little melange of, sitcom references and unsettling settlingness and characterization and just the fun that they're having in general with um all of the new characters started to make sense to me it started to come together and i think even just two episodes in i kind of 
figured out what you were talking about, that they're trying to say like, oh, we chose to do this as a television show because we know that the TV, especially shot at that time, is so kind of fake and controlled and like people, people who are in situations are pretending to be in sitcom mode. Like they're acting, they're not actually in danger. They're not CGI'd to make you believe that they're about to die. They're just, you know, they're working their way out of these puzzles the best they can. Like they'll snap their fingers or they'll call over a neighbor. And then, um, you know, they're like, you choose to believe the deceit that you're watching. You choose to believe that they're actually, you know, going to going to lose their job. And that's just kind of a metaphor for, oh, Wanda and Vision are, are creating this kind of, or I guess Wanda is creating this kind of world in which you choose to believe everything that's put in front of you the way that vision was talking about it in his magic show he was like you'll buy the lie that we tell you but uh at some point that has to break you know i don't know if that that went anywhere but i I kind of got what they were going that makes sense yeah i i I think that buy-in part that you talked about too is really important both in terms of like the audience ourselves watching it and in terms of wanda which I think is interesting because like Wanda simultaneously exists as the protagonist of the show in real life, obviously. Uh, but she also serves as the protagonist in seemingly her own. Uh, well, we'll talk about this in a second. Maybe her own creation. We're not really clear on on the uh, consent or agency going on there. Um, while also existing as an audience. Because like there's times in which she basically breaks out of it. And seeming of her own accord. There, there are times when something will occur. Uh, I think it's in the second episode when the, the banging on the window you talked about was happening. And she walks outside and discovers a a helicopter toy sitting in a bush. And the helicopter is the only thing thus far that is colored. Like it is, it is fully colorized, bright red, very shocking to see, to be honest, because it's, it's so harsh to see against the black and white of everything else. And she looks around very like like she has been suddenly taken out of the show that she's in and she's trying to see what's going on. That one felt like it was against her will, right? There's something that's intruding. Yes. In the first episode, though, what I think is my favorite scene thus far of the series is at the dinner table when uh, Vision's boss starts choking, right? And, and to what you just said, like when we watch it normally in a sitcom, we're like, oh, well, you know, haha, they're not actually in danger, et cetera. And it's sort of like a goof of like, oh, no, they're going to have to figure out some way to get him, you know, to get that out. And my assumption was like, oh, no, Wanda's going to have to lift it out or Vision's going to have to phase it out. And we're going to have to explain away in a comedic way why that's happening. And instead, he just sort of lays there choking to death for what felt like a while. I'm sure it wasn't as long as it was, but it feels it. And during that process, the, the, the you know, uh, uh, Deborah Jo Rupp is saying basically help him. And she's doing it in kind of like a joking sitcom way. And then she begins to break into like a help him, help him. And she has this smile on despite the fact that the rest of her is like in terror because her husband is clearly dying. And my favorite moment in that is Wanda in the first, I don't know, I'm going to use rough numbers here. In the first half of that sequence, she is in sitcom mode. She's responding in like a, uh-oh, something's going on, uh-oh. And then you see, uh, credit to Elizabeth Olsen, I think, you see her face just kind of break. Like, it's like it relaxes and changes. And for the first time in the show, until that point, I saw Elizabeth Olsen as we saw her in Endgame or Infinity War. Like, I saw her face actually looked like how she looked in those movies. 
Yeah, and her voice even slightly, yeah, and her voice changes slightly. She loses that affectation, and she says in her what I'm going to say is her normal Wanda Maxima voice that we've sort of been hearing since 2015 or 2013, whatever the hell Age of Ultron was. Um, And she says, "Vision, help him," in a voice that is very clearly hers. And that's what I mean when I'm getting out of like. Sometimes she is the audience to her own show because she looks around before she says that. She's like observing it and seems to decide to break it. And that I don't there's something about all of that that is so interesting to me. Like it it's it's it makes you feel all the more unsettled and that was also the most twilight zony I think of them like you were talking about of like uh even the music is creepy Deborah Jo Rupp's obviously grinning amongst it is is dissonant. Um but there's something about the way that they're using Wanda as both protagonist and audience to her own, again, quotes around creation, that I think is working really, really well because we are sitting in a created sitcom homage. The whole thing is just working for me, especially from her side of it. Yeah, that was really well said. I agree. Completely agree. That was a very striking moment. Stands out to me. Yeah, it's rough. And uh, episode two has one similar of... uh, uh, I don't know the actress's name, unfortunately, but the the uh, head of the whatever it is, the the neighborhood committee, you know, the I, I, I don't even remember the name of it. But basically the the, the I'm going to call it the Council of Neighborhood Wives who comes together and plans <laughs> events. Uh, uh, and uh, the woman who runs that, she uh, cuts herself in a glass that she shatters in her hand. And again, very. A couple seconds there of just you you kind of can't help but shrink back. Like I was very tense. I, I remember my shoulders are raised. I was very like sunk back in my chair of like, what is this going to happen here? As though I was watching something a lot scarier. Definitely. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm waiting for like a get out drop, even though this is clearly not going to be that. It's Marvel on Disney Plus and not their adult section of Disney Plus. Like it's it's not gonna be super bad, but the tension of that show is is palpable to the point where it sometimes feels suffocating. Like she cuts her glass and the, and the 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 blood on her hand being visceral as opposed to be or uh, uh, colored as opposed to being black and white and even her reaction of you see for the first time in the show someone break and say where am I what is this like very very twilight zony like you said it's it makes me want to I, I wish that I I don't actually know if any of my older surviving family members would have watched that show when it came out but I wish that I could find people who watched Twilight Zone when it first dropped in order to know what it was like to watch it. Definitely. Yeah. You know, because we, we have we have too much history now. Like, we, I, I think growing up, I never saw that show, but I knew about it, and I knew its concept. So if I got into it, I was like, oh, this is that creepy show. But if you weren't that, and if you watched that first episode of that man, if I remember the first episode of Twilight Zone correctly, the man lost in the town, in the, the nuclear town, and no one's there, I... I what would that be? Like, is it this? Is it that same kind of sinking in your chair of what am I watching? What is this? This is not like anything else I've ever watched. And how do I even conceive of this? Because this shouldn't be on TV kind of a thing. I, I'd love to know if that is, if they're recreating that feeling. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the closest we can get to experiencing that firsthand, our generation is the first, very first time you watch Black Mirror, but it would not at all be the same, yeah. you know, not at all yeah, be the no, same I'm kind with, yeah. of experience. And no matter when you watch Black Mirror, chances are you've watched just general modern thriller movies before right. that too. So the buildup is not quite the same. Yeah. The drop is not the same. But I think it does speak to, like you said, the classic and timeless effectiveness of what the Twilight Zone did with kind of those shots of 
black and white shadows and uh, dissonant music, uncomfortably close zooms and lenses, and there's that general, like you said, claustrophobic and suffocating sense of a shot. And even I would say what shows like Desperate Housewives did with just a simple setting and a simple conceit, and then turning that into something that's very unsettling. You know, women in a neighborhood and, and how that could go deeply wrong because in a moment filled with tension, you have no choice but to imagine the 100 ways this could go off the rails in the next five seconds. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a trip so far. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, I know we 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 have some uh, marvely things we want to talk about here as well. Um, uh, so maybe we can hold our, our kind of uh, first first impression reviews to the end. But uh, at the very least, without saying how I feel about it quality wise, it is just a it's been a trip of a show. Definitely. To watch, like it just I, I knew about it obviously going in, and I knew all of the, the supposeds, but I feel like I still wasn't prepared, for what ended up being executed. Uh, the, it's so tight and so yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the the sitcommy side of it, and I'm sure there's like a thousand more things that we could cover in there. And honestly, I would love to have probably very good podcasts or very good articles out there are people that are much more uh, uh, of experts of this than we are about like, I would imagine there's fascinating conversations with like costume designers and set designers about this show and all the weird, weird things and, and shot techniques, but um, we'll have to look for that. But uh, that's only one half of the show because of course it is still a Marvel show. So uh, we also kind of have to talk about that. There's also a ton of Marvel stuff in here quietly uh, and and weirdly, um, including uh, Shalila. I was talking about this at the beginning. Stuff that I just have no idea what's going on. I'm actually excited for that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. We talked about this at some point for some other Marvel movie too. I think where I just, uh, it was the kind of thing where I was watching with Alex, and and at the very end of the second episode, a guy shows up out of the sewers, and he's covered in what I think is bees, or it sounds like it's bees. Bees. And the first thought that I had was not like, oh, this is who that is, because I just don't know. I don't know Marvel well enough from the comics or, or anything else. I, I know some things. I can take a venture. You know, if you tell me that there's a, a uh, uh, She-Hulk show coming, I can say, oh, great. You know, uh, that's, that's going to be really cool. My guess is here's what will be of that because of my base knowledge. But I cannot guess who a guy climbing out of a sewer grate is covered in bees. I have no idea. If it was DC, I... Would I would probably be able to put good money. Like I could tell you, here's my guess as to what the show is. I have a very strong guess as to this. Um, but I like that I can't guess it. It feels very new. It feels very, I, I cannot predict what's going on and I really enjoy that. So I'm excited to hear because you have alluded to the fact that you do know maybe sort of a little bit. Definitely. I also just want to support what you said that it's nice to not know and nice to be surprised because God, one of the worst things about media in this time, or I guess being the two of us and consuming media in this time, is you just know too much sometimes because it's all on the internet before. And then you go in and you can't really face the media the way it's meant to be faced because you're thinking about what, how it compares to everything you know and getting drawn into that. That sinkhole of context is a trap sometimes. So it is very nice to not know, which to be clear, I didn't. I Googled a lot of things. I don't just magically sure. know all of this. But now <laughs> I do. So it's, it's you know, it's like the magic in episode two. Uh, there's, there's explanations. So a couple of really in-your-face references that I'm sure everyone picked up on or anybody who is just 
in basic forms engaged with the MCU picked up on. Yes. I actually have a quick question for you. What, before we tell them what it is, how many did you get on first watch without looking stuff up? I only saw two. And they're the obvious ones. Like, it's not like I found Easter eggs. It's just the two things that I'm obviously supposed to know. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, me too. I think it's the two things that we're supposed to know. I, it's the commercials, right? Yes, it's the commercials. Uh, okay. I, I picked up, in, I think, just us having yeah, some knowledge of the House of M storyline. I picked up in a couple other tiny things, but none of the details. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you're ahead of me then. Because the commercials are all I got. So I figured that's a good place to start is like the most obvious things that are not even a it's not even an easter egg it's like a explicit here's the egg don't bother looking for it there's, <laughs> so, there's two minutes uh, of the egg in each episode yeah. right so uh, uh talk to us about those commercials definitely so we've got a commercial per episode which i'm kind of curious to see if that's going to keep going uh but we've got uh, a fake commercial in in both of them the first one is a an ad for a stark industries toaster which is an obvious shout out to uh stark tony stark Iron Man, um, and did that entire company that has manufactured every device <laughs> that has come up in the MCU right. so far. Um, and and I think it's meant to be kind of an unsettling call to Tony's uh, less than welcome presence in, in Wanda's life. And obviously, ever since he's come yeah. into her life, stuff hasn't gone well uh, because the ad is vaguely unsettling. They've got a blinking red light, uh, which is red in color and, uh, and pops out against the black and white and uh, has the unsettling slogan, forget your past, this is your future, which sounds right. like it, the it has a, the show. It has a couple of, if I remember right, they the uh, right. it's a toaster and the whole point is they're like, oh, look at how easy it toasts your bread and they put it down. And one of the things that the commercial does well that I feel like is obviously very intentional is then the camera sits and waits and it waits for just a, just a second a or two too, too long, long that you feel weirded out where it's like waiting and it's, it, it switches to the guy's face and to the girl's face and to the guy's face and the girl's face. And you're just sort of like, by now the commercial should have ended. So it's yet another little detail of like, something's not quite right. And it's like they are also waiting for something to happen that hasn't happened. Very good. Very creepy. But uh, yes, that was the first one, obviously, was the Stark reference. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the first time on The Truman Show where his his wife is is kind of obviously advertising something. And he's oh. like, oh, what is going on? And, and it kind of call. lingers on her for a second too long. And he's like, why are you showing that pair of scissors or whatever it is? I don't know. How have we not talked about that? Uh, yeah, all, all sitcom aside... I didn't even put that. I don't know why I didn't think about that till now. It's very Truman Show. Very. Obviously Truman if Show Truman thus Truman was making the show, this is the Truman Show. Damn, good call. Yeah, it's like Truman Show meets I Love Lucy meets Twilight Zone is the thus far it brought to you by the MCU. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Produced by Kevin Feige. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first commercial. And then we have a second one in episode two, which is for a Strucker watch. And then they linger on the watch face. And the watch has the Hydra logo. It says made by Hydra. And so Strucker and Hydra, two terms that might ring a bell. Uh, Hydra, uh, famously the evil shadow organization that was mostly in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, as the kind of Nazi undercurrent that had infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, from the olden days and is generally evil. Uh, And Strucker is the... 
uh, leader of uh, Hydra at the time. I can't remember, but he he died in Ultron in the movie yeah. Age of Ultron. Uh, but he was obviously a uh, compelling part villain at the time. But once again, a name that would bear a lot of horror to Wanda's memory. Well, most importantly, not only because he was, I believe you're right, I think he is the head of, of Hydra because uh, Robert Redford's dead um, or in prison or something. I don't remember. Uh, the, the reason that's so important is he's the one that created them. Yeah. Like he, uh, uh, Strucker is the one at the beginning of Age of Ultron, you see that Strucker and his Hydra base have Loki's staff uh, and that they have been using it in order to experiment on uh, people. And they talk about like, I think it's at the end credits of uh, Winter Soldier that they allude to failed ones too. So you know that there's ones that didn't work out, but um, you know that they refer to the twins, which is of course Wanda uh, and Pietrov Maximoff. Uh which is, of course, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, um, Wanda and her brother, who is no longer relevant seemingly at all. So we don't have to talk about him. Uh, but <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's Aaron Taylor even more so than just being... John into the MCU. Yeah. Poor fella. Uh, even more so than just being Hydra, like, that's her... I, I, it's her creator, in a sense. Like, yeah, a, you know, yeah. a, uh, and I think if you want to draw a line between the two, they are thus far... To me, anyway, they both make up an idea of of um, their unfortunate paternal figures to her, right? Stark is the mm. father of not only her trauma, uh, as she talks about the fact that her family died at the hands of Stark weapons uh, when she was a kid, um, but he is also paternal throughout the, the series in terms of he basically is the one that pushes for controlling and making sure she stays inside the Avenger base and not going outside because the, the Scarlet Witch cannot be trusted. She can't control her powers. And she doesn't disagree, by the way, not at first. But that still puts him in the position of being fatherly. Uh, and Strucker is literally the dude who created the Scarlet Witch. Like, in other words, another, they call her the, they, they call the two kids the twins. Like, it's it's another paternal aspect. And I think that's what stuck out to me thus far, is the two commercials have both been about people that are partially responsible for creating who she is, who created her trauma, who created her powers, like either way, you know, and that's, that's, there's something going on there. Yeah, very well explained. I'm curious to see whether the commercial pattern will carry forward into the next episodes. And then if it does, who will be featured? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. There are a couple other sprinkled Easter eggs. Uh, Hit us. In one scene, They've got wine pouring into a wine glass, like from a bottle, and the bottle's label says Maison du Mépris, which translates to House of Misery, aka House of M. Oh, nice. Yeah, which is, Good it, call. for Didn't context, the big Marvel comic storyline, which we everybody in the nerd world right now thinks this phase of the MCU is building towards, which is essentially, we can talk about this at some point, but you know, we've talked about it a little bit. Wanda essentially finds out or is given children by a demon and then figures out that those children are fake and it drives her completely nuts because she's lost too much and now has lost her children, which she thought she had too. And she goes nuts, nuts and creates a new reality and like warps reality completely, which we think is what the show possibly and everything yeah. is kind <laughs> of sure. building towards or is possibly happening right now. Uh, but yes, that's House of M. That's why it's important. Uh, 
cool. And um, yes, they also have. Um, and so this is this is going to answer so many of your questions about the helicopter and the bee man and possibly uh, who who is the voice on the radio if you don't know that yet. But nope. there's an entire new secret organization that they've been uh, kind of building towards in these episodes called SWORD, S-W-O-R-D. Uh, so I saw the SWORD symbol on stuff. Yes. And I know SWORD exists only by name. And I saw it and I was like, oh, I'm assuming this relates to SWORD. And that's where my like... That's the end of the sentence I could give you. I don't know anything about them. I just know their name. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sword, good that you know the name. I actually didn't. One of the places it comes up is that toy helicopter that's bright yellow and red, aka Stark Colors, interestingly, uh, shows up uh, in the episode and it's got the Sword logo. And um, there's a scene where uh, we talked about where the head of the neighborhood wife community watch little group, uh, community center group. Uh, when when the leader cuts her hand on the glass, uh, everything goes a little wild and the radio that's sitting on the side starts to go all staticky and a voice comes out of the radio and says, Wanda, are you okay? Do you need help? Who's doing this to you? And that voice is none other than Jimmy Woo, a.k.a. Randall Park, who was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Wait, what? And he represents S.W.O.R.D. No way. He's their liaison. But he is he's in, monitoring he's in Wanda. He's a bunch of stuff, right? Jimmy Woo, uh, uh, the character, obviously, uh, he was in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, I think that's what you're thinking of. He's, the, right he's, the his, like, he's his cop, right? He's yeah, like the, he's, he's his, like, don't break his, your house arrest. Not his parole officer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's who that is? That's the voice? Yeah. What the hell? But yeah, that's the <laughs> right. clearest well, now, tie to the movies so far, apart from the existence of the two main yeah, characters. No, for sure. And we know, I believe, if I remember correctly, he is, um, he's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Yeah. He's not just a cop, but he's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, I believe, in, uh, or a former S.H.I.E.L.D. or is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent by Ant-Man and the Wasp. So he has connection. I think he was also an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., by the way. He is connected to S.H.I.E.L.D., obviously, but that just seems like a huge, I had no clue. That's so... Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going sword, with this. It just like, it, it threw my brain. Wild, right? It, SWORD, I should explain for our listeners, stands for Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division, which I think will explain a lot about what's going on in the closing credits of the show, where every time the show ends, it ends every episode so far, which has been only two, I said it very dramatically, ends uh, in a classic sitcom style with, you know, kind of closing in a circle, Looney Tunes style or the end or something cute. And then we get kind of a, a, a cut to a real ending, which is a, a TV monitor in a clearly modern uh, board of switches and, and, and things in a, you know, kind of a modern control center where somebody is watching this as a show, like WandaVision is a show. And, uh, or, you know, is, or is it something that's playing on a screen? Right. And, uh, and it zooms and it has very modern kind of techie uh, end credits, real end credits. And... Um, the the pitch, at least from most of the internet, is it's Jimmy Woo who is Wanda's caretaker or monitor in some form at Sword, and he and this is my guess. I'm guessing she's like sitting in a room somewhere, building this crazy reality in her head, and they've got like electro. I'm imagining this completely. They've got electrodes connected to her head, and they're seeing what she's seeing. And they can communicate with her in her dream. And they're like, this woman's really dangerous. Let's right. not pull her out of the dream. But if it gets really weird, then we might need to. So he can he can like dip into her dream in the form of that radio voice and be like, 
do you need help or something? I don't know. Maybe she has she has somebody. Right. She's she, something's going on, and I think they've got her there, and they're watching what's going on in her head. Either way, and it's him. So who's the guy? Who's the bees? So beekeeper man. First off, that had better not be his name. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely not his name. Beekeeper man. We actually don't know who he is. We don't know. Like, there's no name to this character yet, or no guess. Oh, it's this guy. It's X guy. But uh, the costume that he's wearing is similar to uh, the uniforms, like his beekeeper suit is similar to uniforms of the AIM, the Advanced Idea Mechanics, which are basically um, like underlings of this like evil group of rogue scientists who are an offshoot of Hydra in the yeah. comics. They are also, uh, we already know that AIM is in Marvel. Uh, They're in the... Loki trailer. Aim is the aim is who Owen Wilson works for. No way. Okay. Yeah, that's who like Loki's messing with is aim or like whatever. Like that's who has captured him. I'm assuming based on the trailer. So I thought the same thing you did actually. When they got out, I said that's aim. My only problem with that or my only like confusion is on the back of his suit. You can see it for like just a second or two. Is the sword logo? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing that's so, just a disguise. I don't know. I, but I'm with you, though. But I also, I mean, he's probably not like, real, that's, right? That's obviously the true, yeah. So to, for those who don't know, uh, AIM, again, like, it, it doesn't really matter, to be totally honest, but their their famous outfit, uh, at least per my knowledge of the comics slash the cartoons I watched as a kid, uh, it's like the, the hazmat suit. Like, that's like their, which seems ridiculous, by the way, in like a comics way that I love. Uh, but that is like literally their trademark thing is that they all wear hazmat suits. <laughs> Which They're again, like, I don't among know. Among us characters. To, yeah. to what end? Yeah, like why would that be your suit? I don't know. But anyway, I mean, um, I think I, somebody also said in something cool. that I saw that it's meant to be a, an extension of the metaphor of her being trapped in something that's dangerous, like keeping herself in a in a trap to keep herself safe. You know, like you put on a beekeep suit, beekeeping suit to be safe, but you're also trapped. Sure, you're so trapped. that's kind of the okay. metaphor. So here's my, those are all the Marvel, The are those yes. all the ones you caught slash could find? Yeah, I mean, there's okay. there's a couple Not other a tiny ones. Like there's like a couple yeah. posters on a supermarket wall in a little animated bit that are kind of like character names. But that's everything that we okay. were all meant to at some point pick up on. Which I actually like. I like that they're not inundating it. I think that's all good. That's exactly the level they should be doing. Yeah. So here's my question so far. Sword. Everyone that I know of has been talking about it as though this is the first time that we're seeing it in the MCU, right? It's showing up for the first time. Here's my confusion. Is S.W.O.R.D. in any way related to the end credit scene of Far From Home? Big spoiler ahead for folks. Oh my god. The end credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home, Nick Fury, is now in space. And he's on a big old spaceship. In fact, I think it's the same spaceship from Captain Marvel. And I think that because he's with Talos. By the way, that should be Talos. It I really should Talos. be Talos. Uh, uh, played by Ben Mendelsohn. And they're like together again. The last time that we saw Ben Mendelsohn, uh, uh, Talos uh, and his um, scroll uh, friends was they were being basically towed off into another part of the universe by Captain Marvel at the end of her movie. And that was it. And at the end of Far From Home, you cut to Fury sitting in like the captain's chair of this deck and looking like he always does, like he's in charge and, and there's Ben Mendelsohn and they're working together and doing stuff. And the only reason I'm saying does this connect is my only knowledge of S.W.O.R.D. is that in the comics, S.W.O.R.D. is about space. S.W.O.R.D. is not, it does not stand hmm. for what you said. 
I think it's it's like world observation, not weapons observation. And it's like a whole space division. And it's like, you know, it's shield, but in space. And they look at space and make sure space is okay. It's so, Doctor Who and Torchwood. <laughs> they just right. did that. So that's, yes, exactly. So I'm trying to, fit, like, that's what I'm getting at is I, no one I've seen has made that line, which makes me think I'm just missing something. That, that maybe Nick Fury did say what that was. But doesn't it super seem like it thus far? Like, Definitely. Is that that? Yeah. I immediately buy that. I also want to, but I do. I don't know. I'm very curious. Well, uh, let's finish out with just your give me your give me your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. What did you think? And let's talk about quickly standout things. I loved the performances. I don't think we can not mention this. Everybody is so good on this show. Um, I wasn't immediately sold on Elizabeth Olsen's acting, but then like five minutes later, I was like, nope, this is this is Emmy worthy. She's very good. Like you said, in when you describe in detail how she switches between her sitcom uh, persona and her oh my god everything is terrifying persona uh i thought paul bettany is hilarious on the show he's always very funny so good at what he does but he is he's the the charm and the joy of the the sitcom stuff that's going on other performances uh anna gassier is so good she's so good <laughs> i'm i look forward to seeing more of what exactly her character represents and what comes out of that because she's obviously more than just nosy neighbor but so far, I just think the people are so good. Yeah, I completely agree. It's been, it was a real surprise only because I, and this is really nothing against Elizabeth Olsen. It's just thus far in the MCU, I haven't really cared that much about her or Vision. Uh, th- their stories did not get a lot of weight. They, I don't think that they were given the time necessary to build out what they wanted, which is for us to all feel very sad. Uh, and frankly, her accent changed three times in three movies. So it was just jarring. Uh, she gets really cool by Endgame and Infinity War, and that's all good. But, you know, there just hasn't been a lot there. This is very quickly risen to the top, uh, like in the top ranks of my MCU entries. It's so good. The quality level is great. The storytelling is interesting. It's a great mystery. I don't know what's going on, and I love it. She's, uh, like you just said, I think it's her best role thus far. Paul Bettany is getting to actually like explore his character a little more instead of just either being the voice of Jarvis or being the philosophical robot who dies pretty quick. Um, and that's, it's great. It's great to get to see them flex those muscles. So yeah, I love it so far. Big recommendation, I think, from our podcast. Definitely. Uh, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> I should stress that we talked about a lot of different things like references and sitcoms and potential futures. But I think the mastery of the show is what you said at some point, which is that it really is not overstuffed at all. It's just a casual, fun Agreed. show, to be honest, if you want to just enjoy it like that. So highly recommend, even if you don't care at all about the MCU. I completely agree. Yeah, I, you could go in blind and it, it would be okay. It's hilarious, too. It's really, really funny. Like, I, I laughed every single scene. Yeah, I agree. Well, that is WandaVision. We didn't even get to, like, half of the show. Like, we didn't talk about Monica Rambeau, uh, yeah, <laughs> who is Monica. definitely in this. Uh, we didn't talk about House of M. There's all kinds of things that I think we could do on this. So uh, if you would like that, please let us know. We would love to know if you would like us to do more on WandaVision and the Disney Plus Marvel shows uh, since 
as I have been so forcefully told, these are not actually movies. Uh, so I, I, I just want some fan support to know that you want this. So uh, let us know on Twitter at uh, AYSWpod. Uh, we are also on Patreon at patreon.com slash AYSW. And we would love to hear from you if you want to hear more about WandaVision. Because I think we have a lot more to say about it. And I'm very excited to know what happens next. And there are so, more episodes. Uh, so we can absolutely do ooh. that. Yeah, there's going to be so much content. I can already tell. Yeah. To just like sift through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. Well, uh, find us on those places. Check out any of our other uh, very fun episodes that we've been posting. And let us know uh, your thoughts on WandaVision and if you'd like to hear more. And until then, um, uh, I'm going to start ending these things in like a way that refers to the episode. Uh, until then, uh, Shalila, do you need anything? Are you okay? That's a B sound. Bye, everybody.